Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. We're ready to get into the Word of God this morning. Amen. I want you to open up your Bibles this morning uh, to the Old Testament. I want to go to the book of Isaiah this morning. I want to go to the book of Isaiah um, chapter 45. Chapter 45. Isaiah chapter 45. I'm going to begin reading at verse 1 this morning. Isaiah chapter 45, beginning at verse 1. I'm going to share something this morning that I'm believing God to really just speak to all of our hearts and speak to those that are here in in this service this morning. And I believe that you're going to be encouraged. I believe that strength comes through the word. You know, faith comes through the word and encouragement, guidance and direction. It's nothing like the power of God's word, especially when his spirit is carrying it and speaking through it. Do you believe that this morning? Isaiah chapter 45, beginning at verse one, it says, thus says, thus says the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have held to subdue nations before him and loose the armor of kings to open before him the double doors so that the gates will not be shut. And notice it says, I will go before you and make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron. I will give you the treasures of darkness and hidden treasures of secret places that you may know that I, the Lord, who call you by your name, am the God of Israel. Notice he goes on to say, For Jacob, my servant's sake, and Israel, my elect, I have even called you by your name. Now jump down to verse 7 just for the sake of time. And notice what God says. He says, I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create calamity. I, the Lord, do all these things. Very interesting story and verse here. And actually, if you read it in its entirety, you know that Isaiah was considered to be a messianic prophet. In other words, that you see a lot of the prophecies concerning what Christ would do and in his coming, you can find through the writings of Isaiah the prophet. And when you read it in context, you will see that some of the things that are even spoken in here regarding uh, Cyrus is is, uh, King Cyrus is actually attributed to what Christ would do when he would come on the scene. But in this particular story this morning, I, I, I want to talk to you. Verse three says something. I will give you treasures of darkness and hidden treasures of the secret places. And then it says, I form the light and create darkness and I make peace and create calamity. I, the Lord, do all of these things. There's somewhat to me when I read that and look at it kind of an oxymoron because God in this particular text it said God said I form the light and create darkness but isn't it funny the Bible said that God is light and there is no darkness in him it almost seems that he kind of contradicts himself but how many of you know that that's not the true that we serve a God that is perfect in all of his ways so obviously there is something that he wants to tell us or teach us in regards to this text And I want to talk to you particularly from that phrase that's found in verse three, that for the, where he says, I will give you treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places. 
In other words, I don't know about you, but when I hear the word treasure and darkness in the same uh, sentence, I'm like, wait a minute. I want the treasure, but I don't want the darkness. Uh, I don't want, I want the blessings, but I don't want the process sometimes that I have to go through to obtain them. But notice he said, I'll give you treasures of darkness or there's some things that you'll step into or walk into or obtain in some of the most obscure times of your life. Oftentimes we think that the greatest blessings that we receive in life or, we're, well, we're, or, or that we receive in life is when we're on the mountaintop. When everything is going good, when everything is going all right, when everything is in its perfect order and everything is in its perfect frame. But according to this, we serve a God that says even in the low times of life, even in the dark times of life, even when you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, even then God said, I can bring some good things out of some bad things. I can bring some beautiful things out of some ugly things and know that there are for you and for myself that even when I'm walking through a time of obscurity or darkness, God said even out of there, there's some jewels, there's some treasures, there's some things that I can bring out of that to bless you, to bless your family and to bless your life. And I want to talk about that this morning because I realize that sometimes that people are walking through seemingly dark times. Seemingly hardships and struggles and adversities, they come to us all. No one is immune to those things. But I'm glad that I serve a God this morning, the one Jesus Christ that knows how to take every adverse situation and still use it, number one, to bring him glory and also to bless his people. Can I get a big amen there? Notice the scripture said this in, 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 as it begins in our text. It says Cyrus. Notice that you got to get this. It says, thus saith the Lord to his anointed Cyrus, whose right hand I have. You have to understand that Cyrus in this particular text is a wicked king. Cyrus is a pagan king. Cyrus is one who, who, who is a Gentile ruler. But notice God said, I anointed the wicked king. I anointed the Gentile ruler. I anointed this one who was a pagan worshiper. And that messes with our mind. But what you have to understand what God is saying. God was in this particular context and he was using this particular king to ultimately set up things in a way that the children of Israel would be blessed. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because it said that he would, he would be the one who would allow Jerusalem to be rebuilt while setting their captives free and not wanting anything in return. But God says, I anointed or I empowered this wicked king, this pagan king, this one that nobody else would even think about. But see, there's a bigger picture here. And what God is saying that I'll even, watch this, I'll even use a messenger of evil to ultimately convey good when it comes to my own people. In other words, are you, are you following what I'm saying? Because you have to understand that ultimately God is always in control. God is the supreme ruler of all things. Even when things look like they're out of control, you need to understand that God is always in control. And here he is like a master chess player maneuvering a wicked king around the scene of 
of Judea and Jerusalem ultimately to set his people up to be blessed. And I want to tell you sometimes that's why you got to be careful that some of your biggest enemies can be disguised as your biggest blessing. Sometimes the thing that you feel that's coming against you most can be the thing that God is going to use to bless you the most. Are you following me this morning? He used a wicked king. He used somebody that wasn't even for him, that was even thought like him or even loved him. But he said, I'll even use that because I so love my people. I so desire to bless them. The wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. If I could use that, I'll use them to bless my people. He even said it this way in Isaiah 54. We always quote, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Every tongue rises up against you shall be condemned. But you need to back up before that and read it. You know what he says before that? He says, I've created the blacksmith who blows the coals in the fire, who brings forth an instrument for his work. I have created the spoiler to destroy. You know what God said? He said, the one that's bringing the weapon against you, he says, notice when he said, I create, he said, you know what? I'm in control of him so when the enemy tries to come at you forming weapons against you God is saying I'm even in control of him and that's why he said no weapon formed against you shall be able to prosper because I'm in control it didn't say the weapon wouldn't form but it did say it would never prosper it won't prosper, but I can tell you that some times God will cause you to prosper out of it. But he says, I'm in control. And you got to understand that this morning. I created the blacksmith. I'm in control of the spoiler. My Listen, the devil may turn, may be in the fire of your life, but you got to remember that God's hand is on the thermostat. And listen, if it wasn't going to mean good for you, if he wasn't going to bring good out of it, he would never let you get into it. So whatever I'm going through right now, whatever I'm faced with right now, no matter how hard, how tough, how tight it may be, be. God said, I will not allow you to be tempted above that which you are able. I, what, you know what he's saying? He says, I took analysis of your life. I took stock of your spirit and I looked in you and I looked at that and I said, they have every bit of the capacity in them to overcome this. So therefore, I would have never allowed it if I didn't create you to overcome it. Some of you need to lift your hands up and praise God. You felt like a victim. You felt like you've been defeated but I'm here to declare to you this morning if Christ is in you he's the hope of glory you are victorious and triumphant and nothing you're going through it all can stop you because God has put in a capacity in you to overcome that which is coming against you give him a big amen and I'll move on he said I anointed Cyrus if God will anoint a wicked guy or empower someone for his kingdom cause, what about his anointed? We are his anointed, the Bible said. We are his elect. We are his chosen. We are those that have been set apart, the scripture said. So I want to declare this, what he said that he would do for the anointed here. He's, I want to declare it over your life this morning. That he said the anointed, God will hold his hand. Did you read that? For the anointed, God will open the gates that are not, open the gates. For God's anointed, he will make the crooked places straight. Do you have any crooked places this morning? Do you have any rough areas this morning? 
Do you have any things that are broken? He said, for my anointed, I will cause the crooked places straight. And the last thing he said, I will break the gates of iron in half. In other words, Jesus put it like this. Upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. As God's anointed, as God's chosen, you need to understand that you can walk in such authority and power and anointing that God will not allow the gates of hell to prevail against me. He's walking and holding my hand through life. He'll cause every crooked place in my life to be straight. Is anybody hearing me this morning? I'm talking about, see, most of you don't believe that you're anointed. Most of you don't believe that you're elect, but I'm here to stir you this morning to remind you that you are king's kids. You are royalty this morning. You are blood-bought and anointed. He said, I want to give you the treasures of darkness. Treasures of darkness. Darkness. Low times. Slow times. Down times. The frustration of darkness sometimes. No one likes dark times. Feels like sometimes a time that you're moving slow. Everything is slowed down. It's awkward. Adversities. Trials. Struggles. Hardships. I'm just... Feels like I'm just in a, in, a, in a dark time. I'm in a low time. Have anybody ever felt like you were just in a season of just darkness seemingly? Just a low time. I, can, I really can't see clearly. I, I, I know what God has promised and I, I know what he's told me. But, 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 but for right now, things are a bit dim and uh, there, there's an there's a, a aspect of unsureness that's constantly trying to creep in and, and I'm fighting constantly having to rebuke doubt and, and push back fear and, and all these mindsets because it's just a, a, a dark time right now. Often dark times can come from various reasons in life. Life will hand you some stuff. Life will hand you some situations that oftentimes will bring question marks to your mind. Have you ever thought about when you dark times that it's a time that you just feel awkward? And I thought about this, the difference between night and day. Let me show you something that's very simple. How many of you have dogs? How many of you have dogs? Amen. That's orange. This California. Everyone has a dog. That was a dumb question, right? Everyone. But think about when your dog barks. What do you think when your dog barks in the daytime? Maybe in the backyard outrun. It doesn't bother you as much hearing your dog bark aggressively in the daytime as it does in the nighttime. See, when I hear a dog bark at night, in the daytime, oh, it's probably those rabbits that run around somewhere. He probably sees, if I was in Georgia, I'd say a squirrel, but I've never seen a squirrel here. But, 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 but it was rabbits. But at nighttime, it's something about when a dog begins to bark ferociously that, that oftentimes negative thoughts come to our mind. Who's out there? Who's around? Is that a burglar? Who's trying to get into the house? Who's intruding? Because that's what dark times sometimes will do. It will excite even fears in our life that normally we wouldn't have when everything is going good. Same dog, same bark, different season in life that creates different responses. What I want to show you, but God says there are treasures of darkness. Even as there are fears and awkwardness and a dark season, a time 
God says, I want you to always don't just view darkness as a time of just exciting fear, exciting insecurity, exciting awkwardness. But you need to start seeing it as a time that there's treasure that I can bring out of it. There's things that I can show you in it. Notice the word treasure means wealth or riches stored up or accumulated, especially in the form of precious metals, money, jewels or jewels. Some things I wrote can only be found in the darkness. Notice what he goes on to says that I want to say this, that a season of darkness is not always the result of sin. We have a tendency to say, what have they done? Where have they messed up? Where have they fallen? The Isaiah 50 verse 10, listen to what it says in the Amplified Version. It says, it says, who is among you who reverently fears the Lord? Listen, who obeys the voice of his servant, yet who walks in darkness and deep trouble and has no shining splendor in his heart. Let him rely on, trust in, and be confident in the name of the Lord. And let him lean upon and, and be supported by his God. Did you catch that? It was a servant of the Lord who reverently feared him, who was obeying his voice. But yet the scripture said, who yet walks in a period of darkness. I thought about Job, the Bible said, who, who lived an exemplary life, as I'm trying to say. The Bible said that he, he loved God. He shunned evil. He was a man that feared God. He obeyed God. But notice the scripture said that he was blameless and upright. But Job walked through one of the darkest times in his life. And it wasn't because he was, watch this, doing anything wrong. But it was in reality of things that he was doing right. You see, when Job walked through the dark time, the bigger picture picture that we get to see is that he was, watch this, we, he was trusted with a trial. Mm. Yeah, see, sometimes we look at trials as enemies, but see, Job was trusted with a trial. Isn't it funny? We always preach about man having faith in God, but Job is a, a, an example where God had faith in a man. Oh God, because he said, have you considered my servant Job? I'm willing to put Job to the test. I'm willing to trust him with the trial of his life. I'm willing to allow him to go through a dark time because I'm going to prove through him that I am greater than you. And there is no weapon that you can bring against my people. Come on. Is anybody hearing me? You may be in here this morning and you've been trusted with a trial, but notice what, what, what Job even said, he said, he has fenced my way so that I cannot pass. He has set darkness in my path. He said, on my path and on my journey, I had an encounter with darkness, but it was on the path. It was part of the journey. I want to say this to you. I'm going somewhere. We must understand that God, all, God specializes in bringing light out of darkness. Genesis 1, he said, the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the spirit of the Lord moved across the face of the water. And God said, let there be. And there was light. God can bring light out of your darkness and hope out of your despair. I said, God can bring light out of your darkness and hope out of your despair. One of the things that gets me about this time of the year, and I want you to grab a hold to this. As I sit here even now and look outside and yesterday as I as I was just just early in the morning, I was looking at, at the weather. I was looking at everything. And this is the time that we called June gloom. <laughs> Notice that June gloom. 
Why do we call it? Because it's a time that's cloudy. It's a time that, that there's a, a cloud cover. There's a fog. And even on some of these mornings there, like this morning, I got at my house, there were drizzling, raining this morning. And it was so dark and the clouds were so low. But, but this is a period of time that comes normally annually to this area. Man, if you live up north in Seattle, whoo, come on. That's almost the way of life, isn't it, Pastor Jake? But notice this, it's a season. It's a time. And you know, now I, and understand, they even, I, I was reading about June gloom because I had to look it up. But you know, they said that oftentimes during this time, there's a disorder that they associate with June gloom or gloomy weather patterns or, or gloomy times. You know what it's called? Sad. Sad. You got a bad case of sads. Man, that's sad. <laughs> you think I'm making it up? You want to? It's called seasonal affective disorder. SAD. No wonder you're sad today. And when we're spoiled in Southern California with sunshine and all that, and when June gloom, we get a bad case of sads. It affects the way I think. It affects the way I feel. Oh, it's gloomy outside. Some of you watching my stream and you got sads because you didn't want to come to church. And I'm just playing. But, but you should have got here this morning. They're, they're sad. They're, they looked up at the weather. I just don't feel like it today. They let the weather, they let outward circumstances dictate the inner condition of their heart. But I, want, I, I just got one question to ask you this morning. Many of you have lived here all of your life. Many of you go through this every year. What is the truth about June gloom? If we'll hold on for a few more hours, about one o'clock, one thirty, or two o'clock, they call it the burnoff. Because see, in reality, as gloomy and as dark as it looks now, the sun is still shining. The sun is still out. And some of you need to take the revelation that it will burn off naturally and grab it in your spirit and say, just like June gloom is only for a moment. It's only for a season. But 2.30 is coming. The evening is coming. And all the fog and all the darkness and all the gloom is going to be burned away. Can I just give you some scripture there? Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning morning he said to the upright I will bring light out of darkness just as we will roll out of this gloominess through these morning services you're going to roll out of the dark period of your time you have to hold on and declare it's dark it's gloomy it's uncomfortable but the sun is still shining Jesus is still on the throne God is still in control can I get a big amen right there that he's still in control Come on, get rid of those sads this morning. I come to serve notice on sad. And I'm believing God to infuse you with an anointing of glad. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Walk by faith and not by sight. Life is not over. God is good. God is faithful. God is on the throne. You're going to come out of this. I want you to understand 
that oftentimes faith like them is developed in the dark. Understand that faith comes by hearing, but faith is strengthened by hardship. I'll say it again. It comes by hearing, but often is strengthened by hardship. Faith is incubated in the darkness of adversity. Dark days make us lean on God in ways that we normally wouldn't. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 said, we walk by faith and not by sight. Walking through those dark times, we have to walk by faith. I can't go on what I see right now. I can't live. I can't make decisions on the way things appear and the way that they look right now. It's a time. I might be in an obscure time, but the life even of the believer is to not walk by what I see with my eyes, but I walk according to what I hear in my spirit. I walk by faith because faith cometh by hearing. I have to be led by my hearing and not by my seeing. Are you following me? Faith comes by hearing. I'm hearing what he's saying on the inside and I'm not yielding to what I see on the outside because what he's saying on the inside becomes an anchor to my soul and sustains me when nothing around me resembles the promise. I have to walk by faith and not by sight in the dark. I want to share something and, 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 and <laughs> something has happened to me twice in my home. <laughs> and it happened this past week. In the dark. It may have inspired this. I don't know. No, it didn't. But, but I have fallen twice in my own house. Hard. But the thing is, I did it twice in the same place doing the same thing. I have a tendency to, in the mornings, I, I don't like turning on lights and stuff in, first thing in the morning. So I just get up in the dark. And from memory and from feeling, I navigate through the house. We're trying to give respect to my wife and my kids. I don't want to wake anybody up and stuff like that. But, but, but man, so I'm the last person that's going to bed or, or, or getting ready to go to bed. So I'm shutting off all the lights and I'm about to walk up. This, so, so, and this is one of the things, and I do it all the time. Because I know how many steps there are and I know where they turn and I do it. So I just shut the lights off, pitch black. And I'm doing it. But here's the difference. Two times I changed one thing. They're hardwood steps and I had on socks. And it was one of those nights. I was about to say I had the munchies, but that wouldn't go over well. Because you say, well, from what? But, but I, I had a... I, and I'm going to tell you what it was. I was craving Doritos. And I, had, and I had snuck. See, that's how I got in trouble. Really, I got in trouble. I had snuck and got these bag of Doritos. It was one of the kids that go in their lunchbox. And I, and I had it. Lights out. And I walked up those steps. And I know how many of them it is. But for some reason, I caught the edge. And when I caught the edge with those socks on the hardwood floor, you would have thought a bomb went off in the house. You had 217 pounds hit that hardwood like a piece of lead and followed up by an echo of a boo, which my wife came running because she swore I got shot because the, the bag of Doritos exploded under me. 
She's running. She's hollering. What are you doing? What, what are you doing? Where are you? Why are you in the dark? Why are you in the dark? She turns on the light. What happened to you? Look at you. You are a mess. Why don't you turn some lights on? I said, I got this. This don't happen. She's freaking out. I mean, jumped out of the bed and everything. So, so, and I said, I got, I do this all the time. Well, this last week, I did it again. I forgot about the socks though. Man, and, and here's what I did. I went, I went down the steps and, I, and I, this time I just had some water. I had a gallon of water of all things. So, so I was like, I got to get my fluids in. So I'm going up the steps and I hit the steps. I said, uh-oh, these steps are slick. I got to go back and get my slippers, take these socks off. Do you know the moment I said that? It's black dark. I don't have no lights on. I turned and hit the step. Boom, 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 boom. Blah, boom. Uh, another explosion. It wasn't Doritos this time. But now I'm drowning in a gallon of water. Water everywhere. Had my back cut, bleeding, still got a big bruise and everything. Don't, I, I'm glad you said all oh, because my wife had no sympathy. That's what you get. I told you about going up here in this dark night. I told you about, you ought to know, just crazy. You know you can't see in the dark. You know you can't feel your way around the house. But, but my point is this. If you would turn on the lights in your dark time, I want to tell you one of the greatest things that you can do in the darkest hour of your life, if you have to turn on the light of God's word, because that's why I want to say that, because when I can't see him, I have to learn to read him. And when I read him, I'll begin to see him because his word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. He said, the entrance of thy word bringeth light. It's something about when I get in his word, when I can't see him out here, when I can see him in here, and a faith will come that stirs my heart. So when you're in the season of darkness, turn the light of his word on. I'm going to end with this. I'm almost there. My back's still hurting, to be honest. I just ain't going to lie to you. <laughs> Every time I looked at that scar, they turned the lights on, turned the lights on. But you know, there's still something in me that'll still do it again. I don't know why. Now I feel like I have to conquer it. You know, it's, it's, I mean, it's a man thing. I don't know what it is. Treasures of darkness. Real quick, let me give you three things and I'm going to get out of your way. Treasures of darkness, he said, I'll give you. One treasure is the treasure of demonstration of power. Sometimes God's greatest displays of power that you'll experience is in a time of darkness. 
Do you remember in Mark chapter 6, the Bible said this concerning the disciples. They were in the boat rowing and the wind was against them. They were in the fourth watch of the night. That's between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. The darkest time of the night. They're rowing and they're toiling, the scripture said. But I love the Bible and it says that he came to them walking on the sea. If he would as if he would pass them by, the scripture said, listen to this. And when they saw him walking, they supposed it was a ghost and cried out for they saw him and were troubled. But immediately he talked with them and said to them, be of good cheer. It is I do not be afraid. Then he went up into the boat to them. And the wind ceased and they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure and marveled. Watch this. Notice when they were in the darkest time of their life, the winds were raging, they're toiling back and forth. They got to experience a demonstration of God's power that they never saw before. Notice the Bible said he came walking on the sea and they said they didn't even recognize him. In other words, they didn't see him initially for who he was. But God demonstrated an aspect of his power through Christ that I am the God that's even over nature. I, I'm the God that, 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 what's, that, that you got to understand every, everything that may try to get over your head is already under my feet. And he says, I, he came to them and the Bible said they did not recognize him. In other words, in the darkest time of our life, sometimes God will give you demonstrations of power to see him operate in your life like you've never seen him before. This was the first time anyone had witnessed God walking on water. A demonstration of power. They've seen the dead raised. They've seen the sick healed. They've seen devils cast out. But in one of the darkest times, they said, my God, he has power to walk on water. He's walking on what's trying to consume us. He's walking on what's trying to shake our faith. He's walking on what's trying to rob us of getting to where he's called us to be. But in my darkest time, He's shown me a demonstration of his power that he's walking on what's trying to overtake me. The second thing is this right here. A second treasure is revelation. Matthew 10, 27 says this, whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. Whew. Notice that. There's some things he said, I'll tell you in the dark and they'll come out and speak them in the light. I believe sometimes, I can tell you in my life, the greatest revelations from God's word and insight have come often through the lowest times of my life. That he speaks things and shows me things and his word enlightens. And, and, and sometimes, and I don't say this arrogantly and I don't proclaim it's God by God's help, but I feel like I've, 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 I've ministered the strongest in my lowest time. Because things come out and, and you, don't, you, you can't do nothing but lean on him. And you can't do nothing but trust in him. And you can't do nothing but push and press into him. Some of your greatest rubber. Notice he said, what I, speak in the, uh, in, what I speak to you in dark, go out and speak in light. Sometimes it's what he speaks in the secret place. When you stand in the public place, there's an anointing. There's a power that comes on that is released. I thought about this. Think about it. If you've ever bought jewelry, if you ever bought rings or any type of jewelry, you go to the jeweler. When you say, can I see that ring, please? What do they do? They pull out that little black slate and they sit the ring on the black slate. Why do they do that? 
because that black slate creates a backdrop that blocks your vision out from everything else but to focus in on the, on the jewel that they're trying to show you. That's what dark times will do. They will block out all the distractions of life in this world. And when you open up the word, the jewels and the treasure of revelation will come forth like never before. And you'll see things you never saw. But then there's preparation. Isaiah 49 and 2 says this. And he has made my mouth, watch this, like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he has hid me. Listen to these words. And made me a polished shaft or arrow. In his quiver, he has hid me. Do you hear that? In the shadow of his hand, he has hid me and made me a polished shaft and an arrow. In his quiver, he had hid me. I asked them, I want you to see this now. I want you to understand that the the difference between this and this was a season of darkness. Notice he said, he said in the scripture, notice what he said. He said, in the shadow of my hand, I've made you a sharp arrow. Shadow, dark. Because every archer understood that their arrows started out looking like this. But when they put their hand on it, it was dark in that hand, but that hand was bucking things off. That hand was pulling things off. That hand was breaking things off. It was dark but he's breaking. It was dark. But matter of fact, I asked him, it was dark. Let me get five. But he's cutting. Uh Uh-oh, let me go the other way. He's cutting things off. Breaking things off. See, all of the extra that's not needed to produce. That's why, that's why, that's why they circumcise to remove the unneeded flesh that's not needed to uh, produce. So he's in that darkness, but he's, but, but, but notice that all the while I'm in his hand. All the while, he's got his hand on me. It may be painful. It may be tough. It may be dark. It's uncomfortable. But his hand is on me. And he's molding me. He's shaping me. He's forming me because he's got a goal in mind. He's got a promise because he doesn't see you where you are, but he sees you where he's called you to be. He doesn't see you with all the extra baggage and all the extra stuff that life can hand on us and pull on us and weigh us down. He doesn't see us just as a branch, but he sees you as an arrow. He sees you as one. Notice he said, he is in my quiver and I hold him close to me. In other words, I got you. So there's a point in time that I'm going to pull you out and aim you toward the things that I've called you to do. Aim you and shoot you into the destiny and plan and purpose for my life. But I never got to here until I went through the shadow of his hand. A dark season where he plucked out, he broke off, but also he imparted, he deposited, and he put in. Seasons of dark, treasure of darkness, demonstration of his power like I've never seen, revelation from his word like I've never received, and preparation in life. There's some things that you only, uh, I believe that God molds and shapes 
through those seasons of darkness. So guess what? I'm not to reject them. I'm not to look back and say, oh God, why, why, why? But I'm saying, God, whatever you need to do to prepare me, whatever you want to show me, show me. Whatever you want to reveal, reveal. Because I realize that as you're anointed, I'm just in a season of darkness. But in this time, you're bringing treasure. Treasure to my life. Treasure to my family. Treasure to my wife. Treasure to my marriage. Come on, treasure to my children. Treasure to from, from my call and the dream that you put. But I must be willing to embrace the season of darkness. One last thing. And I'll end with this. The world's supply of rose oil, and rose oil is this, is used to make most of our perfumes and colognes, and it comes from the Balkan mountains. Think about this. But what's unique about this, this, this rose, is that the roses must be get, get gathered in the darkest hours of the night. Watch this, because 40% of the fragrance disappears in the light of the day in other words its fragrance or its smell is strongest not in the daytime but in the nighttime hour and they use this oil for most of the perfumes and the colognes that many of us enjoy today and when I read that the scripture came to my mind that God says thanks be unto God who always leads us in triumph and through us diffuse the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. We are to God a fragrance of Jesus Christ. Not only am I being a sharpened arrow, but God said there's a smell, there's a fragrance that'll come from your life after you've gone through a dark time. There's a fragrance of worship that will be offered up to him as a sweet smelling savor. There's a fragrance upon my praise, a fragrance upon my prayers, a fragrance upon my worship that will come up before him. Not only him, but it will be diffused to those that are around me, that they are attracted to me and they look at my life and say what is it about you and I can say just taste and see that the Lord is good come on stand to your feet this morning lift up your hands and give it thank you for listening to this week's podcast we hope you are blessed